Hey, we're uh, Jim and Judy Wimberly, and uh, we, uh, we've been married for 53 years. Yeah, that, that's a long time. And uh, we have four children and 14 grandchildren. And uh, right at this point in life, we're just uh, praying that God will help us to finish the race well. And that we'll leave a godly heritage, a godly legacy. But we are honored to uh, be with you here tonight. And uh, there's a verse in Colossians 1.17 that's speaking about Jesus. And it says, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And uh, in our early years after marriage... Um, we had a Volkswagen Beetle, and it was a used Volkswagen Beetle when we bought it. And I drove it for many, many miles, and when it got uh, well over 100,000 miles, I would get in it in the morning, and I would pray that verse. I'd pray, God, would you hold this Volkswagen together for another day? And uh, my office was... Uh, with an Irving, and uh, one day while I was exiting off of Highway 114, uh, there was a large jolt, and uh, uh, I got out of my car, and my left wheel was gone. <laughs> and uh, I was actually headed to a meeting, and some other guys going that same meeting uh, came by, and so they stopped the car and got out and uh, helped me look for my wheel. But we... Uh, <laughs> We couldn't find it anywhere, and some of the other guys had gone on to the meeting, so we decided we'd better get on over there, and so when I walked in, the uh, president of our company was looking down, reading something. He never looked up, and he said, uh, Jim, I heard you lost your wheel, and I said, yes, sir, I did, and uh, he said, well, were you sure you had it this morning when you left home, <laughs> and I said, well... I think so. But after that meeting and going back to uh, my car, the wheel was in the back seat of the car and it was with a, had a note on it. And it said that uh, I found your wheel two miles down Highway 114. And, uh, you know, wheels don't just come off of cars. You know, they come off of marriages. And uh, in our... 53 years of marriage, we've had our fair share of wheels coming off, and that's what we want to talk to you about tonight, is just what, what do you do when those wheels come off? And, uh, you know, I kind of took it as a sign of it was time to get another car, but in uh, God's economy, you don't work like that. You don't go out and get a new husband or wife when the wheels come off, because uh, God tells us in Scripture that we become one and we're not to be separated or torn apart. And we've found that regardless of what the marriage problems have been uh, during our 53 years of marriage, that God is always sufficient and nothing is impossible for him. And he is the one, he is the glue that has held our marriage together. And he's the glue that'll hold yours together too and if it's uh, if the wheels are off he's the one that'll glue the wheels back on there but there's uh, two takeaways we'd like for you to uh, get tonight 
And one is that you need to know the glue that holds everything together. And the other is that you need to go to the glue uh, in prayer and just ask for help. Go to the one that holds everything together. And so here's the starting point for number one, that you've got to know the one who holds everything together. So we want to share our stories with you. And we had very, very different spiritual backgrounds growing up, and so we have very different stories. So here's my story of how I came to know the one who holds everything together. In 1951, Billy Graham was a young starting out evangelist, and his group decided they would make their first film. It was a very short movie where he came and told a dying cowboy on his deathbed about Jesus. The name of the movie was Mr. Texas. It was a black and white film, and in Billy Graham's autobiography, he says that it was a terrible film and that he was very embarrassed about the poor quality of it. I was seven years old in 1951, and they were going to show this film at downtown in the First Baptist Church. We didn't go there. We lived out from town. But my mother took me to see that film that night, and we rode the bus downtown. We sat way up in the balcony of this very, very big church, and I was very engaged with the story on the screen. But by the end of the story, I was very, very troubled. So we rode the bus back home, and I wore my hair in pigtails, and I was in front of the bathroom mirror, and I was undoing my pigtails. And I can still see myself in that mirror, and I knew clear as day that I was like the man dying in the movie, that I did not know Jesus, and I was separated from him. So I went to bed, and the next morning, I walked my mother down to the bus stop when she was going to work, and I told her that I knew I was like that man in the movie. So she actually that day made a phone call to the pastor of our little neighborhood church, and that night he came to our house. In those days, pastors made house calls. And so he sat down on the couch with me, and he took his Bible, and he showed me how I could ask Jesus into my life. And then he knelt down by the couch, and he asked me to kneel down with him. And I did ask Jesus to come into my life. Now, uh, my dad worked a night shift, and so every night I would leave him a note, and I would ask him to leave me lunch money. So that night I left him a note, and I asked him to leave me 25 cents. That's exactly what it took for lunch in those days. And then I added the sentence, I asked Jesus into my life tonight. My dad never said a word to me about that note. He was kind of a stern, stiff father. But when he died... In 1975, in his lockbox, there was that note, and I have it. And I misspelled the word Jesus. I was not a good speller then. I am not now. And it looks like my mother might have gone in and corrected the spelling of Jesus that night. But for me, that began a journey of following Jesus. And now, 64 years later, it has been a growing process. Now, as a little girl, I struggled greatly with a lot of fear. And as I got older, what that translated into was worrying and being anxious and wanting to be in control of everything, keep everything right under my control. And my family could write several volumes about those avenues in my life, but they're not here tonight to tell you about that. And those are still struggles for me. 
But by God's grace, he has patiently been conforming me to the image of Christ. And with his help and other believers around me, I am still learning how to release myself to his plans and open my grasping fingers of trying to hold on and make everybody else do what I want them to do at exactly the time I would like for them to do it. Well, the first seven years of our marriage were, were not good at all. They didn't go well because uh, I was a deceiver and not a believer. Um, I knew about Christ, but I didn't have a personal relationship uh, with him. Uh, when we got married, I promised Judy's father that uh, I'd be the spiritual leader in the home and I'd take her to church, but that was a promise that was short-lived. Because the number one priority in my life was uh, not God, was not Judy, but it was me. And I was totally uh, obsessed with myself, my career, and uh, just uh, getting my way. And to make things more unpleasant for Judy and uh, those around me is that I was a very angry man, and that caused uh, many conflicts in our marriage. Like the time that I was dozing in front of the TV and Judy came up and asked me to open a jar of pimentos. Well, I couldn't get the jar open and so I just took the pimentos and I threw them against the wall. And with glass and pimentos everywhere, I said, now they're open. <laughs> and uh, that is not a way to establish a good relationship. And it's definitely not a way to open a jar of pimentos. <laughs> or the night I was returning uh, from the laundromat to our apartment, and I didn't want to go to the laundromat to start off with, and someone had taken our spot. And so I decided I would show him. So I backed my car up and put it in lower, low gear and rammed him only to have his bumper raise above mine and bust out my headlights and smash my grill. Uh, there were many foolish things like that uh, during my marriage. Um, I am sure had I not come to know Christ, we would have been divorced many, many uh, years ago. And I actually came to know Christ seven years after we were married reading this little book that each one of you have uh, with you called Connecting with God. And uh, before trusting in uh, Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, I was an angry, uh, self-centered, controlling husband. And since coming to know Christ, I am an angry, self-centered, controlling husband who is uh, being changed by the grace of God uh, just through his word, through his spirit, through the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, I'm still being reparented, uh, you know, by the body of Christ and by God's word. And so the number one thing is that you both need to know the one that holds everything together, and that's, uh, that's Jesus Christ. There's a verse in Amos 3.3. 3. It says, can three... Uh, walk together without agreeing on the direction? And the answer to that is, is no, they can't. You have to agree on the direction. And finally, after seven years of marriage, Judy and I agreed on the direction. 
that it was to follow Jesus and was to follow God's word. And uh, you need to know the one that uh, holds everything together. And the second thing you need to know is you need to go to the one that holds everything together. And, uh, you know, you both need to go to him together and uh, go to him in prayer. And uh, there's, a, there's a little book called uh, Two Hearts Praying is One. And in the preface of this book, uh, uh, Dennis Rainey says he thinks the greatest spiritual discipline that a couple will ever develop is praying together. And Judy and I would attest to that and say that uh, we really believe that to be true because we have found that uh, praying together has completely changed our lives. It has changed our marriage. It has changed our uh, spiritual and physical intimacy with each other. And let me tell you, uh, it is worth praying. And so tonight, we just want to share with you our journey in praying together as a couple. And what our hope is, is that when you leave here tonight and you get in the car and you start home, that you would turn to each other and say, let's try to do that. And uh, just making the commitment to try to do it is the first uh, step in the whole process. Now... Uh, to start praying together, if you do not pray together at this point, and you're going to start praying together, let me just say it is awkward. And so be uh, ready for that. It's awkward and it's uncomfortable to begin with. And we do suggest that you start out maybe with this little book because it actually gives you 30 days, day by day, the first two weeks, it writes out the prayers, and you just read them to each other. And then the last two weeks, it kind of gives you a topic. You write your own prayer. You read your prayer to each other. But it's just a good beginning tool that will get you over some of that awkwardness. Now, what we discovered about praying together is that it works best for us that we walk together and we pray while we walk. We were very uncomfortable just to kind of sit down, kind of stare at each other, didn't know whether to close our eyes, leave our eyes open or what. But we did find that we could walk and pray very naturally. And we felt like we were doing two things at once. We were getting some exercise and we were praying at the same time. And we were coordinated enough to do both at the same time. <laughs> uh, we started doing this in the stroller years with our when our Four kids were all little, and it got us out of the house, and they were being strolled, and they were kind of entertained, and we could walk and talk and pray. Now, uh, we lived, um, that house was down kind of at the base of a hill, and so what we did is when they got a little bit older, older we just put them to bed, and then we would walk up the hill because we could still see the house, then we'd walk back down, we could see the house. So we were never very far from the house, and we'd just walk up and down, and I'm sure our neighbors thought we were We could were tell crazy. when smoke was billowing yeah, up. Yeah, we could have seen that <laughs> if it had happened. So, But now what we do, because now we're in this emptiness part of life, we walk nearly every morning before James leaves to go to work. And when we walk, James will pray, and he will just kind of pray through what's going to happen in his day, things that are on his heart. And I listen. I don't try to give any information to him about it. I don't try to fix it. And then I pray, and he hears what's on my heart, what's on my day, and he does not say, oh, that's stupid to be worrying about that. Don't worry about it. We don't 
criticize each other over what we're praying. Sometimes we come back in the mornings to the house. We have not talked directly to each other, but we know a whole lot about each other and what's before us in the day. Now, from the beginning of us uh, learning how to pray together and getting over the awkwardness of it, now it's expanded to we pray at the drop of a hat. We can pray on the phone. If he travels, he always calls in the evening and we pray. Uh, we pray by email, of course. Nowadays, we can pray by text. Now, when life was so busy with four kids and they were all going in different directions, we did what we called five-second prayers, and those are what is on the handout sheet. And we kept that on the refrigerator door, and James made it very purposeful that before he left each morning, he would take five seconds, he would give me a hug, and he would read one of those and pray it for us. And then I would choose one to read back to him and pray it for us. So time is not the issue here. It is a decision, it's a commitment, and it's looking for ways that work into your lifestyle. And so some of those five-second prayers have been great ones that we could look back and see God has answered in wonderful ways. One of the things that we uh, have come to understand is just the importance of uh, praying Scripture because we know that we're praying God's will when we pray, when we pray Scripture. So... Um, that puts us on God's agenda rather than us being on our own agenda. And uh, it's seeing uh, life through God's eyes, which, uh, you know, we call wisdom. And uh, in case you don't know it, uh, uh, in a marriage, you're in the midst of a spiritual war. And uh, God's word tells us how to fight that war, the armor to put on and uh, just how we ought to be responding in the midst of the war. And, uh, you know, so in addition to praying Scripture, it is fine to uh, pray for our needs, our desires, and that's a, that's a little bit like uh, praying for the welfare of the army that's fighting the war. There are things we need, but we just need to make sure that we keep a good balance between between praying what God is trying to do, develop Christ-like character in our lives, and also just those needs that we have to live our everyday life. Uh, one of the things uh, you can do is go find Scripture. Uh, a great place for husbands to go and pray for their wives is Proverbs 31. And uh, just one line out of that is, Lord, may Judy be clothed with strength and dignity. May she laugh without fear at the future. And, uh, you know, just pull one line prayer that you pray for your wife. And then the one that I have prayed for, James, are the uh, character qualities listed in 1 Timothy and Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. That's where God actually gives what he's looking for in a mature man. And so I have just listed those uh, character qualities and prayed them a lot for James. And a lot of times I would not tell him what one I was praying for. And then if something happened at work, he was all upset. And I would bite my tongue because I would maybe have been praying for him to, you know, not lose his temper. And sure enough, he had lost his temper at work. But I didn't say, ooh, I've been praying about that. So too bad. <laughs> God's working on you about that. I would just, between God and me, a prayer affair. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, another thing that we really found uh, and find fun to do is we love to go to the beach. And we love to walk on the beach, but uh, just take a, 
a book of scripture and pray that as we as we walk on the beach and and some good ones to pick out to start up uh, start off with is Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and uh, uh, that is a great way to get into God's word and just uh, you begin to learn God's word as you begin to pray it, you know, for your marriage and for your family. Just put your phone in one of those uh, waterproof covers, though, when you're reading the scripture out of your phone on the beach. Yes, I have dropped mine in the ocean. He he has. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that we do with praying scripture is we just get an inexpensive paperback Bible, and we will dedicate it to praying for a specific person or something. And so we pray. That's the way we pray for our family. And so we will underline things that we're praying for them. We'll put the specific person that we're praying for. We'll date it. And it becomes like a scrapbook just of what you've been praying. And so it becomes a very special treasure. And a lot of times in hard times, we'll just pull out one of those Bibles and we'll look back. Okay, this is happening. We can't figure out why. But we had prayed this verse or that verse. And so God must be at work. So we brought one of James's Bibles because he really is best at doing this. And if you flip through it, it's just marked in lots of different places, nearly every page where he has prayed for our family, and he writes down all the first initials of their names to um, be um, have a record of that. So that has been a good thing for us to do as a family. Uh, Judy and I do not do uh, Bible study together because we do Bible study in very different ways, but uh, we do try to talk about each day what we may be learning from the Bible And, uh, you know, what we're praying uh, for each other or for our children, you know, from the Bible. And, uh, you know, whether a great place to start if you're not in God's Word on a daily basis is the journey. Because you can get a uh, devotional sent to you each day. And then also you can just go to the Scripture and read the Scripture. And even journal a prayer out of that Scripture that you're praying, uh, praying for your mate and praying for your family. Uh, but it's a uh, great thing to do is just to, wh- whether you're in a book of the Bible or a Bible study somewhere else, is, uh, is just to uh, uh, make sure that you talk about, you know, what you're learning, uh, even though you're not sitting down studying the Bible together. And then uh, what are some things that keep us motivated about praying together? Well, one thing it enables us to carry out 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And so it increases our oneness, and it helps us not internalize thoughts and feelings, but bring them out into the open when we pray together. And we know it's a safe place to express those uh, views and thoughts, and we find it's the very best deposit box, is to pray it and leave it with the Lord. And then uh, praying together deepens our relationship with God. It also deepens our relationship with each other. It is pretty hard to stay mad 100% of the time when you are praying for someone. It's just an oxymoron. It's very hard to do. Uh, And then there's some quotes that we like to remind ourselves about, about prayer that motivate us. And this is one James loves that um, this man stood up one time at a conference and he said this. This is all he said. He stood up and said this. He sat back down. He didn't elaborate. When man works, man works. 
when man prays, God works. And he sat back down. And that just stayed with us because we thought, oh, gosh, we're spending all our time working. We need to spend more time praying. And then in one of Corrie Tim Boone's books, uh, she asked this question, which was just such a visual for us about prayer. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? And it just made us realize, wait, sometimes we just have prayer as the spare tire. Only if we need it, then we come to him, but rather than having a continual conversation. And then John Piper had this quote that I, we thought was very helpful to think about us praying together. He said, probably the number one reason why prayer malfunctions in the hands of believers is that we try to turn a wartime walkie-talkie into a domestic intercom. And rather than calling in firepower for conflict with a moral enemy, we're just asking for more comforts in the den. And then that famous JP has one that we quote to each other often. JP said, there are three steps to effective prayer. Pray, pray, pray. And to uh, implement those three steps, uh, we found there's three verses that go along with it uh, well. And one is Colossians 4.2, and it says, be devoted to prayer. And that's, that's a good one to remember. Another one is uh, Philippians 4.6, and it says, pray about everything. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says pray all the time, or basically pray without ceasing. And, uh, you know, if we're doing that, we're going to be uh, stay connected with God virtually uh, all of our waking hours. And uh, something else that uh, we found very uh, helpful is, uh, is just to pray, uh, pray on the spot. Pray without delay, but, uh, you know, when something comes up, uh, we just stop right there and pray. And that's even when somebody asks you to pray for something. That's a great thing to do is pray with them right there because I have such a short memory, I'll forget about it if I walk away. Um, and uh, praying on the spot is, uh, is just a great thing to do. In other words, don't wait to pray. And... Uh, you know, what, what we want to do is uh, pray for each of you guys right now. And uh, we want to pray a couple of different things. If there's anybody here that uh, does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that uh, you would seriously investigate the claims of Christ, that you'd read that little booklet. And just sitting in my car one night reading that booklet, that's how God got my attention, and I trusted in Jesus. Or just ask uh, your leader or one of the leaders here at Reengage, and they could tell you uh, how you could come into that personal relationship. And if you are a Christian and you've got that uh, booklet, uh, share that with a family member or friend uh, that maybe doesn't know Christ. And the other thing is uh, uh, just that each of you would go uh, to the Lord in prayer. You'd go to the one that holds everything together. And uh, let me say, if you're a man in the audience, raise your hand. So all the men, a lot of men out here. So let me tell you, men, God calls us to be the spiritual leaders in the home. And we need to be the ones to initiate the prayer. So another thing I want to pray is that uh, as you do go home tonight, as Judy was talking about, 
that the guys will be the one that says, hey, let's just, let's just pray about our marriage in the car that God, that God will help us. So let me, uh, let me close us in prayer here, okay? Father, we do just uh, thank you for this time, and I just thank you for uh, each couple that's uh, here tonight. And, uh, Father, I do just pray that uh, everyone here would know the one that holds everything together, and I just pray that everyone here would go to the one that holds everything together, uh, even when wheels come off and things are broken, just knowing that you can put them back together. You are faithful to do that. And, Father, we do pray that you would just... Uh, 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 continue to work in each of these marriages just to uh, increase oneness with you and oneness with each other. We just pray that you'd give each of these couples hope, just knowing that nothing is impossible with you. And I just pray that uh, the men in this audience would just lead out being the spiritual leaders in their home. And, uh, Father, we just pray that uh, because of every marriage that's in this room, that Jesus Christ would be made attractive. And, Father, we just ask that you'd bless the time as they go to their groups. And, uh, Lord, you'd just shower each of these couples and their families with your blessings from heavenly places. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.